0: Isn't that amazing? What an incredible story. That, that there, we've gone all the way through the account of Mark. It's actually the shortest account we have. The other three Gospels go into more detail and include parts and elements that that doesn't include. Um, it's so detailed and specific. I just, I just love it. Um, there are so many cultural layers due to the fact that this all happened 1,990 years ago. Right? in a different language and in a different culture, which had different values to us. And there's also the fact that some of us have read or heard this story many times, possibly dozens of times. There may be some people like uh, Glennis here and maybe Amanda who've read it probably hundreds of times. (laughs) Whereas others of us may have never actually read it or heard it the whole way through. And it can seem to some of us like a weird story or like a made-up story or a myth that built up over time. But I've got some things to present to you today to help us to see that it was actually a historical event. That means something. Jesus' death and resurrection really happened. Yeah? You up for it? All right. I've got a a couple of notes. First of all, I'm going to touch on a couple of really physical things. Uh, If you notice in that passage, it talks about there being darkness. Do you remember where it was, when it was from? It was from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, and the sixth hour of the day was actually midday until three o'clock in the afternoon was the ninth hour of the day. So for three hours in the middle of the day, there was a very strange darkness. The first reference to darkness at the time of Jesus' death actually came from a historian named Thallus. He wrote about the same time as the Gospels were written about a darkness that happened from noon at the time of Jesus' death. And there was another historian who referenced this too. Britty's got it up. Oh, can we just say, like, Britty, thanks for, yeah, you, you, you covered my stuff up then in the last song too. <laughs> She's awesome. Fleagon records that. This is a quote from a book that was written in 2020 AD. I think it's called History of Antiquities. Fleagon, so he's referencing an older book records that in the time of Tiberius Caesar at full moon there was a full eclipse of the sun from the sixth hour to the ninth manifestly th- that one of which we speak so this was another reference super duper early around the same time as the gospels were written, re- referencing a weird darkness that happened at full moon now why why does it mention that there was a full moon this is why there's a couple of pixies some sciencey stuff for people who love sciencey stuff can you see when there is a full moon? when it's on the opposite side of the earth from the sun. Can you see that? So you've got the sun over here. When this, the moon is between the earth and the sun, it's a new moon. And then it gets looks bigger and bigger to us until it's on the opposite side of earth to the sun. And that's a full moon. So it takes a full month to go around, yeah? Can you see that? Well, in a, in a solar eclipse, which is what happens when the sun goes dark in the middle of the day, the, sun, the moon actually has to be in between the sun and the earth. So can you see how a solar eclipse was actually impossible? And we know that it was at the full moon because the Jews always held Passover at the full moon. And in fact, that's why even now we have Easter changing every year. The date changes every year because it's always held on a full moon. So isn't that cool? Very interesting. I thought that was fascinating. I've got one more sciencey thing about the earthquake. In Matthew 27, verse 50 and 52, It says, Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. That means he died. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. And this is also interesting, because this is a scientifically verifiable thing that people can look at. Scientists can actually find historical earthquakes using radiocarbon dating of seismites. They found that in the area around Jerusalem, there is a fault line which produces earthquakes on average every 200 years. And here's a very, very science-y quote, which I'm going to read because it's fascinating. If you don't follow, that's cool. Kagan and colleagues, this was a few scholars in 2011, analyzed seismites in the Holocene Dead Sea Basin by constructing two age-depth chronological models based on atmospheric radiocarbon ages of short-lived organic debris with the Bayesian model. Got it? Seismites are sedimentary beds and structures which are deformed by seismic shaking. The scholars analysed seismites in different areas of the basin, that's along this fault line that runs around, um, around Jerusalem area, finding that several synchronous seismites appeared in all sections during particular years. Those, these are dates when there were historic earthquakes, major earthquakes. In the year 1927, 1293, 1202 or 1212, 749, 551, 419, 33, 31 BC and mid-century BC. So there was one on the same year of Jesus' death, isn't that cool? That's a historic other way. And and just remember, that was on average every 200 years. The one before it happened 64 years before it, and the one after it happened almost 400 years later. That's kind of pretty cool, isn't it? Isn't that cool? And so that's not of Jesus' death specifically, but those of like the things that made Jesus' death really significant to the people around. Those were the events that made the soldier who was standing there, who had crucified Jesus, say, surely this man was the son of God. I think I would have had the same reaction if I were in his shoes, right? So this is some evidence from outside the Bible on the big physical things that happened in this account. And now I'm gonna talk about some other kinds of evidence. Number two is James, the brother of Jesus. James, who was Jesus' actual younger brother, physical young brother, as in Mary and Joseph's son, was not a disciple of Jesus before his death on the cross. The only mention of his brothers is of them being demanding and cynical. It's not surprising, is it, the big brother they grew up with was talking like a prophet and making claims that he could forgive people of their sins, like as if he was God, right? In John seven verse five it says, "For even his own brothers did not believe him." But after Jesus' resurrection, John became one of the main preachers about Jesus in Jerusalem, and he was killed because of it. We know this because there is reference to James's execution both in the Bible and also from a secular historian named Josephus, there was mention of of James, the brother of Jesus, being executed for preaching about Jesus. I ask you, what could have changed his mind? Dying like a criminal? Certainly wouldn't have changed his mind about Jesus. But seeing his resurrected body, that would have an effect. Number three, the change in the disciples. When Jesus died, you heard in that in the account that we just had read out to us by those four guys, they did a fantastic job. Honestly, you four men were amazing. When Jesus died, his followers were totally wrecked. You you saw the um, way Peter was behaving, even when Jesus was getting flogged. Right, they were trying him and they were mocking him and they were criticizing him and they were trying to come up find ways to get him crucified. And Peter had denied Jesus and then felt terrible about it. He went outside and wept. He was totally, he was just a mess because he'd betrayed Jesus, right? They were fearful and in grief. It literally finished saying they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They were terrified. They were hiding behind locked doors. It says that in, I think it's in the Luke passage. It says that they were hidden behind locked doors for fear of the Jewish leaders because The Jewish leaders had just destroyed Jesus. They just killed Jesus. They were confused and trying to understand what had happened and what to do without their precious Jesus. And yet, within weeks, they became unstoppable preachers about Jesus. They were thrown into jail and would still tell people about Jesus while they were in jail. They were assaulted and kept going. They divided the rest of their lives to spreading the victorious truth of the gospel to as many people as they could. Just a few weeks later, we read this in Acts. So this is within two months of Jesus' death, and then he came back to life, lived and was walking around on earth for 400. Sorry, for about 40 days. Uh, I can't remember how long was it. A, week, a couple of weeks, wasn't it? And then he got resurrected, and then 40 days later, Pentecost happened, and then within a few days of that, this happened. So we're talking within a couple of months. Peter. Sorry, this is Acts chapter 4, verse 8 to 13. Yep, really has gone to it. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, because they'd healed someone with this Holy Spirit power they'd just received, Then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. What's significant about this is that the people he's preaching to are the same people who had killed Jesus. So Caiaphas was still the high priest. And these were the people who were standing around trying to find reasons to kill Jesus. Peter stood in front of those same people and said this to them. Let's keep going. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, this is Peter who had betrayed Jesus two months previously, and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Amazing. Jesus' disciples had nothing to gain but everything to lose by following Jesus and spreading Jesus' words. This is a crucial part of this story. They didn't gain money by preaching about Jesus' death and resurrection. They didn't gain power. They didn't gain security. They had better have had good evidence and truly thought Jesus had been raised because the odds were completely against them on every front. Christianity was born into a world where its central claim, the resurrection of Jesus, was believed to be false. Knowing the expectation the gospel would have had, no group of conspirators would have ever made it their core doctrine. This was not something Christians could have been fooled into believing. It It didn't gain them anything, nothing. Number four is that there was an immediate belief in the resurrection. The resurrection was not a myth built up. Chinese whispers style over hundreds of years. And here's one of the many pieces of evidence for that. The creed in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is considered by scholars, can we have it up please, Brittany? We don't have that one? That's right. It's considered by scholars, I'll read it out, it's considered by scholars to be the earliest passage in the New Testament. In the original Greek, it rhymes and it is structured like a recited poem, Scholars believe that this passage was memorised and often quoted by the first followers of Jesus within 10 years of Jesus' death. This means it's not a myth that developed over hundreds of years. I'm going to read it. You ready? 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 to 6. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom who are still alive, although some have died. That's not a myth built up over a long time. Some, like Most of those people who had seen Jesus were still alive when they were saying that. These disciples of Jesus who saw his death and his resurrected body went on to face persecution and martyrdom for this truth. Martyrdom means they were killed, for, those, for, for what they were saying. Now I ask you, would those first Christians have died for something they knew to be false? Number five, the improbability of Jesus. This is cool. When you compare Jesus to other great historical figures, he seems even more unlikely. Unlike Queen Elizabeth, Jesus lived a short life. He was 33 years old when he died. It's younger than me. Unlike Genghis Khan, he fought no wars. Unlike Alexander the Great, he was a leader of fishermen, women and commoners. He had no political power. Unlike Muhammad, he didn't write a book. Unlike Abraham, he didn't start a country. Jesus didn't start an organisational church or a denominational structure. He didn't establish a university for his teachings to be spread across countries. He didn't build a media empire to espouse his news. Other greats of history saw power and wealth and fame during their lifetimes, but not Jesus. He died like a criminal and no one outside of Israel knew of him. Didn't that struck you? One thing that really struck me when I was listening to the account that was read earlier was just how much mocking Jesus had. He was mocked just by so many people and his disciples who really were just a few dozen, maybe a few hundred people at that point really did not know how to take that. They really kind of fled into the night and Jesus was left alone just being treated like dirt, really, really like dirt. Amazing. Jesus was only active for three years. Do you remember what happened three years ago now? COVID, it was the very first lockdown. It was only three years ago. That means if this was Jesus' ministry, it would be coming to an end now. That's really not that long, is it? Jesus' entire active Earth uh, ministry on earth would be finishing now. And yet, yet, Jesus is an improbable, glorious, sacrificial, humble, courageous hero. He was a real person who lived 2,000 years ago in a real country on the other side of the world. He came with a mission from God to give mankind a way to be right with Him. He lived a sinless life and gave us teachings which ring through time and changed our world forever. He willingly died, taking on the burden of our sins and paying the price of spiritual death that we would have had. And then He rose again, breaking the power of sin and Satan over us. He went back to heaven And sent us his Holy Spirit to empower and counsel us. And he has shown himself to countless people throughout the ages to be the way to God. If Jesus is someone you'd like to meet, someone you'd like to know, someone you'd like to believe in, open your heart to him. Put your faith in Jesus and just throw yourself onto him. Trust him. Let go of the things in your life holding you back from closeness to God, and repent of them and leave them behind, and throw yourself onto Jesus. He is still there, and he draws us to God always. Acts chapter four, verse twelve said, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Our last song this morning is 10,000 Reasons, because we have so many reasons to bless the Lord, don't we? And uh, if you haven't got communion, please get a cup of communion if someone's going to pass them around, I don't know. And you can take communion as we sing this last song. Just take joy in Jesus. I invite you to rededicate your life to him this Good Friday and accept him again into your life and your heart and recommit to serve him and follow him. And thank him for all he did for you, yeah?